listen and subscribe to The Table of Truth on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Welcome everybody to Blurred Lines. It's your man Cam. With me as always is... The Chosen One, a.k.a. He Who Shall Not Be Named, a.k.a. The Quizax Hatterack. <laughs> as well as... <laughs> man, The Professor, a.k.a. The Dark Lord of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> And we're here to review Dune. Dune, 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 Dune. Dune. Spice. It's all about spice. It's all about spice. Spice Um, Yeah, we all saw it. uh, This I saw it this week. Actually, actually, fresh in my mind. And um, yeah, that shit was epic. Uh, I was like, yo. I, as a sci-fi fan, I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> um, I, and I actually went to the theaters to go see it too, so I felt like I almost watched it on my computer screen. But I was like, "You know what?" <laughs> yeah, no, do yourself a favor and go see that in theaters if you can, because it's definitely one of those once in a year, maybe five, maybe even ten year um, science fiction Hollywood epics that does justice the source material um because for those of you who don't know dune is based on frank herbert's uh novel series by the same name dune um and this was really really it's hard material to adapt visually um you know we all know that david lynch He gave his best effort, and and that's a really, it's a it's a I don't want to to say it as if it was a bad movie because it wasn't, um, but I think he went in a direction that didn't quite pan out as well as he wanted it to. Um, and if you see that film and you see the structure, you'll know what I'm saying. Um, but this film, I think. What Dennis uh, uh, Villeneuve does is he really takes the very cinematic aspects of the books and of the book, and he puts it in a on the screen in a way that allows those things to be shown to us, those aspects of the mythology to be shown to us. Uh, whether we get it right off the bat, it's not too much information, so we have time to process it, um, and then there's follow ups to it. Yeah, and, then, uh, and and that scale too that they played with, like basically through the whole time, was like amazing. Like it, like again, shout out to Josh, the sound designer, for helping me learn and understand the difference between good sound design and bad sound design. But yeah. like, yeah, this was like the the all the sounds of everything when it whether it's like walking through the sand, whether it's in the dark d- dark hallway, you just hear the footsteps, but they're light, and as yeah. they get closer to you, they get louder and they get louder, and like it was just it had it just, like the scale of the movie felt like I felt I should have watched this on IMAX or in uh in the uh, the big screen with the good sound in uh was it on Times Square in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, Dolby Cinema. Yeah, yeah. Yep, Dolby Cinema. Like one hundred percent. Like this is that movie that you should like definitely because it just had the, a good epic scale to it, and it felt like oh shit, this is like otherworldly type stuff. And I think by um, 
by breaking up the film, it, it gave it enough breath to kind of like enjoy all the the, the nuances of uh, the actual like worlds that you got to find out about. And yeah. so you're not trying to grant jam everything in really quick. Like, you know, Zendaya didn't show up until well, uh, this is all spoilers anyways, but she didn't show up until like a third act of the movie officially. Right. And I actually, that was actually a good thing because we, it would it wasn't about her. And as she was there, awesome, glad she was there. But she was like a part of the movie, not the main thing of it. And I liked that everyone that was casted in the film had enough to like show why they were there. Yeah. And whether it was like a little bit of nods, whether it was a little extra stuff, whatever it was. But like, again, going back to the casting, like they just did a really, really good job. And also, um, Timothy Shamalamalamala, he did... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he he played Paul really really well. Like yes. I, I believed I like there's a part where I was like ah man I don't know man you might be uh going outside your comfort zone and then he comes off as a badass. I was like yeah I believe that. <laughs> yeah. I mean I just just everything about this movie, bro. Like I just I can't say enough. It was just it just it was just top to bottom the casting, the writing the rewriting, I should say, of 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 the book, like just you know, the, like like D'Angelo mentioned, the book is super prose heavy, just just way 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 dense in terms of uh, how everything sort of plays out and how everything is described, and even you know a lot of the dialogue is very stream of consciousness, and it gets stripped down, but not in a way that sort of robs the essence of you know takes away from the essence of the book you know like 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 you mentioned you know like d'angelo mentioned david david lynch's film did the opposite but it basically chopped up the books but but also but also basically just took what was on the page and put it on the screen and i think that made it a little heady for for a lot of for a lot of viewers and made for a pretty kooky movie for the i think it was in the 80s or early 90s that that movie came out yeah, and, and it was the eighties, late eighties. It may have even been late seventies, but it was it was eighties. No. It wasn't. It, wasn't it, was, it was. It was in the eighties. It definitely was in the eighties. Yeah. But um, but yeah, you know, it just it just took all the like this. I don't think people realize how big a feat it was to translate this book to yeah. uh, to film. And, you know, there are a lot of people who complain that, oh, it ended in such a weird spot. But if you know the book and you know what's coming next, I think when the, this next movie is going to be the thing that sort of vindicates where they stopped for people who think that it stopped at a weird spot. But just yeah. top to bottom, everything about that film was just absolutely rock solid. Like there's just not even rock solid. I'm going to use a word that I rarely ever use and say it was perfect. There was <laughs> nothing wrong with how they with with how they translated this book to film. All the casting was great. All the performances for the for the actors were great. It was perfectly written each part, and just I, I, I cannot say enough about how much I enjoyed watching that movie. Yeah, yeah. The, um, I thought it was the other thing too, too about the. Um, the casting was it was very like race agnostic 
and it worked mm-hmm. well where like i enjoyed that as like i've been starting to peep that some in in certain places that get that right where it's like you're watching the movie and the characters and the actors and you don't really have to think about hey why is that black guy here and that asian person there or that like because yeah. <laughs> normally you normally in most sci-fi especially 80s we all grew up on the 80s sci-fi stuff it's all white people that's just what it is you know that's yeah. how it was back then but i'm starting to see where like the casting for this one was so good that like it didn't really matter that aspect. I like again, we're looking at a bunch of aliens, quote unquote. Anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But there was a, a point where like it just felt like it felt everything. All, all the pieces fit together, and then yeah. the, the the thing that they did that was a good juxtaposition it was like when you see the um, the House of Trades um, and all their soldiers, and then look at the. Um, the, was it the fern? I think it is um, the Harkonnens. Yeah, in the, in the in the in the in the desert, and then the way they fight. Oh, the fern. Yeah, the fern. Sorry. Yeah, the fern. So the way they fight is different. The way they're dressing, why they're doing, and all that. And then again, going back to you know uh, Professor D'Angelo's, uh, it only takes one line of dialogue. <laughs> When like, you know, there's like the small little things like when Paul's lacing up his boots and they're like, how'd you do that? He's like, oh, I just felt that it was right. And she's like, huh. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Imagine that. Like, <laughs> and, you know, um, so um, to that point in the Dune, going back to Lynch's film, 1984, um, that moment in Lynch's film was taken directly, like Josh said, from the book. So, um Leah Kynes in 1984 was portrayed by the late great, um, hang on, <laughs> Max von Cito. I was oh, about to get yeah, him, yeah, get him confused. I was about to mix him up with Plummer. That's why I didn't want to do that. Yep. Um, but um, Max von Cito played Leah Kynes in uh, the original film. And when that moment happens, it's, the example of how it ta- it's taken from the page, you hear his inner monologue. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You it's like, yeah, you're right. There's so much inner monologue from the 84 film. I forgot about and, that. And so that's common in novels that are uh, written in third person limited. You will have the narration switch to either italicize or something different to indicate that you're not you're not getting uh the limited narration now you're actually inside the person's head like that moment they are thinking it's not just the 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 limited narration um and so it was just to draw that example of how villa uh how uh dennis villeneuve handled this versus lynch is he made that made just made her uh this version of leah kane's uh kinds just speak it in her native in the native Fremen tongue. So obviously Paul wouldn't know what she what she's mm-hmm. saying necessarily or, or think he does, but at the same time she says it under her breath. The only reason the subtitles yeah. were there is for the, the audience. Yeah. There's no guarantee he heard what she what she said. So um it's even those little small um things about differences about this film versus uh, the other, because this is the third adaptation of Frank Herbert's. Uh, yeah, that random sci-fi version in the OOS that was random. Yeah. <laughs> like was I went back and saw the, the trailer. It was, was rock solid and <laughs> closer to the book than even this film was. But well, yeah, it, it yeah. worked. 
and and they went yeah. way further with it. They I think they did all the way up to oh they did all the way to children. children. Oh wow! How yeah. many how many had, uh, how many how many parts know, was it? Uh, it was like it was a few episodes. Two. It was like no, I think it was three. It was right? two movies, but they um it was it was two films, but the first film ended I think somewhere in the middle of the second, like the the first quarter of the second book. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. No, they, the, um, the second film went all the way to because they ended with the like literally the, they cover Messiah, Doom Messiah, and they go all the way. They stop at God Emperor because yep, uh, they stop right before thinking, that. I said, yeah, third book, fourth book, right? Or that there's a process that happens. Something again? happens. So, oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. That's the third book or the fourth book. That's the th- Children of Dune is the third book. Dune okay. Messiah is the second yeah. book. And I think God Emperor is the fourth book. And altogether, how many books yes, were there? God Emperor is the Twelve or something like that? No, there's only six or seven. I have all of them. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's only like after there's God Emperor and then there's uh, Chapter House of yeah. Chapter House Dune or Dune Chapter House. Now that's the last one, I think. Okay, that's yeah, the last one that Frank Herbert wrote. But then his son and oh, Kevin Anderson, I think, started uh, st- worked from his manuscripts and finished the series. That's what I was thinking of. Okay, well, I that's thought, I well, you're probably right, but I thought that he actually like Doom Chapter House was the final f- story that he intended to be published. But because they the stories that they did were also prequels. Like they they were doing mm. a few prequels. They're, they're prequels and then and then ending the okay. series like they, they, okay. they come after. So I only have the ones that Herbert wrote because I'm okay. You know, probably not going to read the stuff that he did. Yeah, I, like with <laughs> the movies. Yeah, like with the movies, yep. I only made it up to the God Emperor book and I stopped there. I was like, all right much <laughs> yeah no, it makes sense. Out, I, I think also too for a lot of people like you know how many people you i think actually read the book of dune and so that's watching the movie at this point you know a lot of the older yeah. sci-fi people but the younger yeah. ones yeah, yeah probably yeah, not yeah. but yeah. to that to that effect like they did a good job of painting and creating this whole world where like again we've watched sci-fi for our, our entire lives and we were watching this like, yo, <laughs> like the, the way the suits were like, even when they explained the suits, it's like, oh yeah, this catches your sweat and then blah, 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 turns yeah. it into water. So now you're not, now you can drink that, you know, it takes, you know, these palm trees are, are super important, but it takes the, the, the amount of water that was uh, account for five people's lives or something like that. Juxtaposition. Oh, you know, the trees are more important than those five lives because of blah, 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 blah. Like there was just, there's just all these little pieces. And even um, when the doctor uh, uh, betrays the Duke, he even gives them the out and, and they, again, they make the doctor's portrayal like, hey, for a very simple reason. They have my wife. I need to do do something to do this, but I'm still going to be help you to make sure that, A, your kid and your wife are safe. And then here's something that you can try to try to kill the bear with or something like that. So um, they they mm-hmm. try to make sure that if you if you don't know anything about Dune and you're starting to watch it, you're seeing that all these characters have a little bit of depth. And then it's the point yeah. where like you care about like, oh, man, I can't believe the doctor just did that. He was just helping Paul over here with his problem and now he's sitting there freaking you know yeah i think the the unfortunate part about and this is just inescapable with cinema with film movies hollywood movies because of the the 
time, uh, the small amount of time that they have, relatively speaking, to 400, 500 pages of, of manuscript and 10 hours of TV, um, you do you do lose a lot of things in the start of doing the movie that could have made um, the characterizations and the relationships stand out more. Yeah. Um, Dr. Yue is a little bit closer to Paul in terms of like, they don't really show that's, that's how important that circle is to Paul as much as I feel like it could have, but it's not mm. that bad. It's not, I mean, it's not bad at all and it, it, it works, but you don't get, and that was something that I thought because Lynch went the way he did worked well in his film where you understand how important this relationship is between Gurney and, uh, and mm-hmm. um, Duncan and, and Paul and Thufer and the Duke and all of them. And, right. and um, in the books, there's a very significant piece of intrigue that the Harkonnens plant that causes uh, a real problem within them before the big thing happens. Um, and it, it just com- completely messes with the, the um, uh, with Leto and, and Jessica and all of them. And, and you don't get that here, but again, I get why that stuff is left off because they don't have much time to, and you don't want to alienate an audience that's already trying to understand this, this massive dense world and all of the yeah. truth and how things work. Uh, so that's just the unfortunate part for, for me as a, having read the book and it's like, Oh, this, these things are missing. They actually make the story much, much better. Saying one thing though, cause he died recently. Dane Stockwell actually played Wellington UA in, uh, yep. mm-hmm. in 1984, uh, uh, Lynch film. Yep. Shout out to Al. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. and I think like, and then just from an art, like concept art nerdy realm, like they just had a lot of fun with all of like the the mm-hmm. freaking dragonfly um kind of like helicopter things. The, <laughs> dude, the thumpers, yeah. you know, the designs for um uh House of Atreides to the um to the Furman and then the also scale the, of the uh, worms. The, the scale of the, the worms worm too. Amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. just like all the designs, they just had a lot of fun with it. And it like yeah. it, was, it felt like a fully lived in world. And so even the characters, like everyone that you met within this world was all fl- fully fleshed out. And um, it, it just it just felt really good. Like I liked like I liked that when I saw each character, they all had their own kind of seeds, but they all lived in that world and it wasn't too flashy. It wasn't too whatever. Um, and, you know, and again, it was it, when it was when there was outside in the in the desert then you saw the scope and scale of the desert like it was leo yes. it's him and his mom in the freaking desert all alone like what the hell are we going to do and you're like yeah. i don't know what you guys are gonna do. <laughs> yeah and you know the danger that they face because we 100 established that you know that they're not just the, obviously the fremen but the, they are the fremen are less to worry about than uh shahal shahal i'm not i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> thank you Timothy Shamalama. The maker. <laughs> the maker. Shy Halud. Shy um, We give to the maker. That's yep. All but in kind of like we were saying with the casting though, too, is um, you know, when they again allowing uh 
changing the the sex of kinds and then giving it a little bit more depth like that was dope like and it was cool because here you see this character she has dreadlocks and all that kind of stuff but it felt like mm-hmm. it was it worked within this realm so it didn't have yep. to be anything 100%. different that was it like yeah. it was really cool because you're like oh okay cool that's kind yeah that makes sense like yeah. <laughs> it didn't take you out of it you're just like oh, all right cool and mm-hmm. you you totally you you're immersed into this thing so when these characters show up it all makes sense and i yeah. like that even yeah. with um when you know the betrayal happens and all that and jason momoa's character kind of runs to her like yo what the fuck you didn't like you, you ain't gonna give us no heads up <laughs> right right and, and she's like the, i mean <laughs> and even the uh the emperor be mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the, the harkonnens were was was really good and how that they you stay you see the difference between house harkonnen and house uh atreides like there is oh, yeah. a very big difference between those and it's not just mm-hmm. in the same way that you know obviously and again i always stress i can't say this for sure but you can see the influences from certain authors and so like you you can't help but see like in the harkonnen the harkonnen and uh atreides a stark lannister type of uh that rivalry mm-hmm. and the one having more wealth and and back by the throne and and helps destroy the other and all that. So um, I, I brought that up to say that Herbert, that this that Dune, this film, his son said that he believes that this is like the definitive Dune, and I, I agree in terms of a movie. Um, Absolutely. And Dune itself, the book series, and specifically this first book, has influenced so much sci-fi and fantasy over since its publication. And it, oh, yeah. I just brought up one example, and and I'm not, I don't know for a fact, but I know, I know George R. R. Martin read Dune. I know he read Dune, and I know most likely he read it when he was relatively young. So. Um, you can see those influences, just like I, I joke all the time. The Jedi, the uh, the the, the Bene Jedi, or the Jedi uh, <laughs> Jezreel, or whatever, because you see the those Jezreel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was just uh, give, giving them my name, the Jedi Ben uh, Jezreel. <laughs> Bene Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> the Bene Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I think it. No, and I think that's the thing where it's like for me. I was curious to see where they were going to end it. And then when they ended it where it did, I was like, all right, cool. Like, like I'm like, I'm, I'm a like, I like where they stopped it. Cause I'm yeah. like, Ooh, mm-hmm. be a lot after. And I think I know the initial criticism was that was like, people didn't know that this was like going to, that they were, they were accepting, expecting the big Epic doom, you know, three hours mm-hmm. and all the shit's packed into one. And then when they didn't get it, they were like, what? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, so was I, but it didn't detract from what we got at all yeah. not even a little bit i was too until someone so said to me that they it was part two parts or they were cutting it off and then that's when i said to josh i was like i bet they cut it off as soon as he meets the fremen and right at that point where you know the whole exchange happens and and you know they're because that seems like the best part to point to cut it off yeah. in fact you did say that. Mistaken, yeah the reason that this easy that was the easy choice was because in the book 
that's a significant that's when part one in the book ends actually mm. the book is broken down to three distinct parts because it happens it takes place over the course of uh, I want to say five years yeah that was like five five or six or something yeah like that. Uh, Paul is 16 17 when the story when just in that first book and then when it ends I think he's like close to 20 21 or something mm. like that so uh yeah they ended it he ended it literally where it end where part one ends in the book I just realized that yeah and then um Javier Bardin he like he did his thing too that's it was dope like I liked like his introduction and kind of just breaking that tension of all the like all these like pompous like basically you know soldiers and politicians and then kind of just being real <laughs> he's like ah, mm-hmm. that's all i got to say i'm out yeah that's all I got to say. <laughs> but and that was just great just great performance man yeah yeah and yeah. you know there are a lot of people there the one complaint that i've heard the most is well zendaya wasn't even you know she didn't even do anything i'm like all set up man you gotta wait yeah man i didn't need pretty, her to be in it. very prominently in part two Yep. My I answer to that: Go read the book if you want to. You want to know? Hey, 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 mm-hmm. hey! We don't we don't read in this place. Relax, relax. All right. <laughs> I'm calm. Mm-hmm. No, but I, you're right though. I mean, I think that's. I was actually glad because, like, you know, with the flashbacks and all those things, I was like, okay, so she's not gonna be in it like that much. And then when she did show up, cool. But I was like, I'm, I'm almost. I was glad that she wasn't in it that much. Because yeah. it, it it gave enough breath for everything else to happen because she is such a big part of like the like the that next phase that yeah. it's almost mm-hmm. better that we leave it for that and then let this be yep. where where it needs to get you you know like we don't yeah. need to throw Zendaya in there just for the sake of having her there like yeah. in the story she's not important until the next phase of this, of this literally this in, in the in the novel same thing in the in, in part one he never he doesn't meet Chani he it's only in the vision mm-hmm. and then part at the end very end of part one they meet. <laughs> similar to so and then he's like in awe because oh it's finally chanty like it's uh yeah. once again <laughs> young white man taking all mm-hmm. our women i see you tom holland i'm still mad at you <laughs> timothy shamalay <laughs> um now nah, but i think um and then again uh, shout out to the god Hans Zimmerman, who was, you oh. know, he's like the last ten uh-huh. years I've been do- I've been doing all these shitty movies. Thank you for allowing me to do whatever I want right now. <laughs> and yo, D'Angelo and I have been saying for probably the last five years or so that this dude has just been like, you know, doing light work. You, you know, oh. anywhere between light work and phoning it in. Frankly, yep. he's bored, and man. He's been bored. D'Angelo he's saw bored. it before I did, and the first thing that he said was. Yeah, remember when we was talking all that trash about Hans Zimmer? Dead all of that. <laughs> Dead all of that. This dude is coming yeah. home with an Oscar for that film. Exactly. I saw it, I was like, nothing to talk about. Oscar, I would just, just uh, I, I would like to uh, just do a rundown of his uh, last one, two, five movies. <clears throat> oh, gosh. No, Army of we? Thieves. Dune, Oof. No Time to Die, SpongeBob movie, Wonder Man, Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four, The Lion SpongeBob King, SpongeBob movie, Dark Phoenix, yeah, oh, yeah, yes. Dark Actually, Phoenix. that was the best part I, of that movie. I just happened across Dark Phoenix the other day, like some sometime earlier this week, against my will because I couldn't <laughs> find my remote, and just listening to the soundtrack, just listening to the score, 
Didn't realize it was him until I saw the credits. I was like, oh, wait, yeah, this, this is the one positive about this movie. Uh, to Literally his credit, though, he did, do, um, he did do Blade Runner 2049 and uh, Dunkirk. So there's a, there's both a, great. Yeah. And yeah. Both so, had great yeah. yeah. But his last, Blade, like, five, five to ten, he's been, man, dick. <laughs> and that was Dennis Villeneuve as well. He He's. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did. Yeah. Blade Runner. Um, so he's he's kind of bouncing between Nolan and uh, those his two guys right there. Nolan mm-hmm. and uh, Dennis V. Like, they finally do some good stuff. Like, yeah. But yeah, you're right. When, like, Right when the movie opened and I was like, listen to it, I was like, oh, okay. Someone was like, finally. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure Dennis, I'm sure they had that conversation. He's like, come on, man. You know, we got to bring it. You know, if you watch, so if you watch the BTS, they, they have the BTS on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. And if you watch that, um, a pretty fair chunk is dedicated to, um, to Hans Zimmer and he also read the book when he was a teenager and he was like when he said when Dennis contacted him to do the film he was like I already got it in my head like, <laughs> I already know I already know what this sounds like mm-hmm. I'm ready I'm ready to go the second that you say that, that you push the button on on on, on uh, doing the score and wow 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 it's an amazing score. And, you know, he doesn't it's not even like it's so great from him because it's not classic Hans Zimmer. Yeah. It has nope. the overtures and it's something totally fresh and idiosyncratic for Doom. And that's what it was. That's what makes it like you said, that score, that soundtrack is just psh, the best right now. <laughs> There's no mm-hmm. soundtrack score that can top Doom. Nothing touching yeah. it. Yeah, and I and I think this like at the end of the at the end of watching it, I was kind of just like, all right, well, just give it all the Oscars, guys. Let's get this. Let's, let's pack it up, fellas, because kind of like all the all the technical right stuff, all, all the costuming, the sound design, cinematography, all that. That's already easy. You can hang everything else will be debatable, whatever. But like, dude, they yeah. just on, I mean, on look, an epic scale is mm-hmm. pretty freaking ridiculous. I think the They'll do the nonsense at the Oscars that they usually do. Like once a movie is considered like the golden boy of the group, mm-hmm. they'll give it awards they're not supposed to get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but in this case, they'll, they'll probably they'll probably be well earned. They'll probably the, the even the awards that they probably like eh, you know maybe when you look at the rest of the competition because there's nothing beating. I can't think of anything that's slated to come out that could even partially contest for best film for and well they're not gonna give a best film because it's a science fiction movie but yeah that's true it, it's at least gonna get a nod but for, well, for audio yeah, it's gonna sweep the audio awards no question it's gonna sweep the, the editor, it's, gonna, it's gonna sweep probably uh supporting actor and supporting well maybe supporting actress possibly but it's it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna come away with mad awards there's no way it doesn't no, I agree. I, I think the only reason it could get the best picture is because it is an adaptation of literature. And so it might be sci-fi. Oh, but, best adapted but, screenplay or something like that? Oh, definitely. Be yeah, best adapted uh, screenplay um, nomination. Um, oh, but yeah. no the question. scale and scope of it and its approach is is too it's too high. It's too um, High concept, high, high, high concept in in execution and in thought 
to to just dismiss as sci-fi if you're a best picture, um, if you're a judge of best picture. You cannot 100%. look at that and say that this isn't overall excellence in cinema and filmmaking. Um, yeah, nah, film. man, it's dude. No. And, and also, we uh, forgot the the Scars Guard and he in his uh, portrayal oh, yes. of the Baron, which was amazing. It was like, great. He was really, perfect really, really. And uh, Batista, once again, as Beast Rabin, like he's he's he brings it. Like he has that, like that, going from controlled, measured, like building up the anger to just releasing the anger, like not, but not being able to do it. He's he's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did well with that. But yeah, yeah definitely. It's, uh, it, oh, man, dude. Like, again, we're fanboying all over this movie, but it, with great reason. It's, uh, I laugh because, like, I have, like, I like, after I watch it, then I go back and look at all the people's reviews and all that kind of stuff. And it's always funny because, you know, there's not very, besides Movie Bob is pretty much the only reviewer I trust these days. But it's nowadays, it's more just hot takes. Yep, Morris is now it's just the hot takes. They're like, you mean to tell me we spent three hours a white boy trying to get Zendaya? All right. <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. That, that made was, me yeah. laugh really out loud. And when I read it, I was like, man, that is probably the quote of the year, the review <laughs> quote of the year, because wow. <laughs> that was funny. That was great. Yeah, I I um you know, we are fanboying out here, but as you know, that ain't something I practice in often. So we cuss no. like a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so, but Doom definitely it. I didn't think it was gonna work, honestly, because I I thought that yeah. Originally, when I first saw the trailers and all that stuff, I thought, oh, okay, here we go. Because uh, to me, Doom would work best as a TV series or a television movie because you mm-hmm. you need a writer's medium to tell that story and and I'm sorry but Hollywood is a director's medium it is a medium mm-hmm. for the cinematographer and the director and the editor and the, and you know everything that's not the written so you know with with tape with TV you can take that literary form and make it into something visual that doesn't lose the essence of the narrative unlike when you do it on the big screen. That's why a lot of big screen adaptations of novels very rarely work. Like, we know there are many of them, but a lot of them did not work. Like, you know, Stephen King hated the the Shining adaptation that Kubrick did, but yet it's lauded as one of the best Hollywood films ever done. But he hated that movie. He hated Kubrick for making the movie. <laughs> I don't know if he feels the same, but I just say that to say about about Dune. I didn't think it was going to work, and the fact that it did, it shocked me. I was very pleasantly surprised, and you know, I'm very much looking forward to part two. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I don't think we need to give it a rating because we're all saying how dope it is. <laughs> yeah, I I say it because I rarely do this. It's a ten out of ten for me. Yeah, I was I once I left the theater, I was like, that was actually epic. Like, there's not yeah. there's not too many films nowadays that we've not seen. Epic, yeah, yeah. Like, there's not too many films these days that have. Like the epic scale and in ter- everything from top to bottom, whether it's the score, the production value, casting, and all that, where you're just like, what was yo, the last this shit. true epic. 
Oh, yeah. What was the last one? Last true ep- gladiator? Hmm, no, it's been some after that. That's that almost 10 years ago, right? Or 15 now, right? Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. We might have to do something on that, like the Battle of the Epics. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. What's the last epic movie that was like, I had to, I, you have to see this on the big screen? Oh, Fury Road. Yeah. Okay. I would put that. Yeah, in the I, genre, in the sci-fi. In, yeah, uh, in the genre, yeah. Pure Road, definitely. Yeah, I just, yeah. I like really, I like watched that last week again. And I forgot, I forgot how like well made and just yeah. like top to bottom that movie. Same thing with that movie. Like great casting, all the sound design, like design of it. It was just like a good movie. Like, yeah, the script and, was amazing. And it was one of the, it was probably one of the best girl power but not girl power movies i've ever seen <laughs> like you know it wasn't set up like that and then you watch it and like wait a minute you guys pulled some slick shit on me <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing i love about that without going too deep but the thing that i love the most about it is just it was non-stop i remember shout out to dana dana saw it before i did our, our friend dana uh saw it before i did and he the way he described it was basically it's like running, 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 running. <sighs> you look over your shoulder, like, oh, snap, I gotta start running again. And it's just running in the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's funny. But you know, again, that's what was so because that's what Doom Doom conjured up memories of Fury Road and that mm. experience of watching Fury Road and being surprised at what I was seeing. And that it was an undertaking and trying to truly stand out in a field of things that just don't stand out right now. Yeah. Like there are no standout, there's not a lot of standout cinema right now. Yeah, and sure. Everyone's trying to get your uh, attention, but there's no yeah. one that's like standing out. Yeah. Nothing. Like we were, you know, on on a, another conversation about a different movie, we're talking about. Uh, the directing and and just not putting that effort in there and kind of going with the mo- the middle of the road uh, way. So when you get a treat like a Fury Road where they're doing things with the audio and the, the script is just amazing and you get 20, 30 minutes with no dialogue or changes yeah. and then it's still just amazing. Like that's think, how they made movies in the new Hollywood era at the yeah, very beginning. Tom, like, I think Tom Hardy did with like 30, 30 words or something like that or 45 words in the whole movie (laughs) it's on on record like Uh, this is tom hardy this is a guy who can deliver dialogue we've seen it we know he can he can deliver any kind of dialogue you give him whether the mask is on his face or he got a monster on his back you know like he he can do it so the fact that there was very little in it it's just like again you think of movies like wally or like 2001 a space odyssey yeah, and, Wally. Oh, yeah. Actually, I just recently rewatched Wally again, too. So, yeah. So, yeah. Doom just kind of because it's, we know that we're not going to get another movie like that for a very long time. So, that's why it's like you just, I have to sure we'll get part two very shortly. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's knock on wood that part two will deliver in the way that part one did because I have, you know. You know, yeah, no, they did. They did their thing, man. I, I kind of have faith now. I, I was, I don't know if I was a hundred percent like sold by the trailer, but I think um, I was like also curious. I was like, yo, this looks pretty cool, but I don't know if it was to actually work. And so, yeah, the audio in the trailer was good. So it, I was the only person who got hyped off of the trailer. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 
<laughs> yeah, and I think the casting is what excited me. I was like, man, honestly, these are the people I imagined as I was reading this book. Like um, Oscar Isaac, perfect as uh, as Lido Atreides. Um, um, Chalamet as Paul, perfect, 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 perfect. Um, even more as uh, even more as Duncan, it was perfect. It was it was yep. good. like yeah, it's, he played it as a jovial part. He has a respect for the people. He's an awesome fighter. He's uh, you know down for the cause, making sure that Paul's good. Like he like again, yeah, both not those with nothing else but but his duties and and all that. The same with Gurney, with Josh Brown as Gurney. Like that's Gurney Halleck, man. Like that dude is like he will kill you if you violate his dude. Like you mm-hmm. see, mm-hmm. took out Steel Guard for the spit. Like <laughs> so, yeah. It's it's. There's not much you can't say good about them there. So hopefully, yeah. Part and two it will. and it was cool because they even Oscar Isaac, you know, as being kind of like that doomed lord. Um, the the quiet moments when it was like um him and his girl. He's kind of like I should have just married you. And that that little small again line of dialogue yeah. shows the the level of depth that their relationship had more than just like lord and concubine. It was just like nah nah. This is a person that he loved. Wanted to make you keep safe. Blah 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 blah, yeah. blah and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So in the moment where he asks her, you know, I need you. He knows that the end is probably near, or they gonna they just try, you know, they try to offer son. He's most likely a target too. So you know, he's like, I need you to promise me you are gonna take care of our son. She's like, of course. I'm like, no, nah, I ain't asking the mother. I'm asking the <laughs> Israel. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm asking like, the witch. <laughs> I'm asking the wizard. I'm exactly the person that can make a person jump off of a cliff. <laughs> by just saying jump off a cliff. <laughs> yep, exactly. I'm, just, I, I'm asking the wizard. I'm not asking the. <laughs> she was great as Jessica too. Um, I did not expect her to be as good as she was. Yeah, she. Last thing I think I remember seeing her in was was one of the Mission Impossible movies, and yep. oh. she was great as Jessica. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, that quiet, reserved, my six agent. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um. Damn. All right. Now we gotta wait for when is the next one coming out? Is it next? Is it twenty twenty three? See any uh any schedule on for release for that? They have greenlit it for twenty twenty three. Mm. So they're like the everyone stop. <laughs> they gonna shoot that in in a year and a half. Oh wait, here it is. Yeah, so, it's uh October twenty twenty three. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Funny. I'm I'm pretty sure they man they were. They've been filming that all. They've they've been working on on getting that. Done they should have filmed it back to back. I mean, they probably were, and then they're like, "Let's pause for a day." Yeah, I, I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think they were, and then Dennis V was like, "Uh, let's see how this." Or somebody, I ain't gonna say. Yeah, that. somebody. I was gonna say an executive was like, "Time out." Uh, let's see how the first one goes, and then mm-hmm. like resume. Wait, does uh, Godzilla vs. Kong count as an epic film? Huh? No. Stop that. <laughs> Godzilla, Godzilla vs. Kong. Kong. <laughs> no. Hey, I like that. It's epic, B, it's epic B movie fun. That's, That's true. We'll, we'll I liked it. it. Kong was getting his ass whipped the whole movie. Man, and, uh, Godzilla <laughs> landed into that. Part. Yo, Brian, Brian Tyree Henry was just like, I'm getting paid to just like run around and scream. This is awesome. <laughs> Amazingly. <laughs> Stranger Things girl was like, wait, wait, I'm in this movie too? All right, cool. 
Yeah, I mean, but that again, like you gotta know what you in for. You in the monster movie, man. You ain't yep. trying to win no Oscar. You trying to get that that check and and it's in that career. Like that's that's what it is. Like who expected a, a masterpiece from Godzilla versus Kong? All I wanted, I got. I wanted Godzilla to beat up Kong. Check. I wanted uh, there to be a. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to see the the uh, Mecha Godzilla. Check and he beat up both of them. Check. So they won. Check. So that's all I wanted to see. Pretty good. Yeah. Now you're right. I mean, that, is, that is a fair assessment. Yeah, that was uh, what it was for me. Um, <laughs> so that's all I needed. <laughs> um, all right, good job, guys. I was like, I was like, wait, what's our scores? We already said ten out of ten. We fanboyed all out of this one. But, I mean, honestly, if you're going to do it, I think this is one of the ones you should. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, um, I know there'll no be problem. the detractors, like the folks that are like, "Yo, there's too many names," or "Oh, it's too long." Blah 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 blah. As and for those people, said, I those... will personally punch you in the face. <laughs> well, and also too, I think kind of like what Daniel had said before is like you know, Dune is Dune is not really for everyone. No, and no. but but that being that it is, they still made a movie that's accessible to everyone, which is yeah. kind of crazy. Like Dune is a very thick, even more sci-fi than most sci-fi stuff. Very and cool. they made a movie that like, if you had no idea what the hell a Dune is, you're like, okay, by the end of it, you're like, I got a gist of what's going on. Yes. It's an interesting world. And so mm-hmm. again, that, that feat alone is actually pretty crazy when you can make your average person, like be able to experience something like Dune and still walk away with like, yo, that was pretty cool like i don't like i want to know more you know like kind of like what angelo said go read the book like there there's definitely people that watch this and we're like wait there's a book and like i can see people actually like you know diving in not everybody but the folks that you know the folks that were like maybe a lightweight sci-fi fan but then still want to get a little bit more i can see that this will help them kind of do that so yeah, and the first yeah. book out of all of them is probably the easiest to read, and then that's saying something because <laughs> the first book ain't no cakewalk. Like it's mm. no, it's very much like that. Josh pointed out it's very prose heavy. It's got a lot of dialogue too, but it's um, it's very philosophical. He's not reaching for just the tech and the sci-fi and all that stuff. He's looking to. He's mm-hmm. very Frank Herbert very much was on the mission to understand where humanity was headed, was headed. Mm. It was, it's headed in terms of our prospects of entering the cosmos, what that will look like, um, all that stuff. And like, could we, can we get past the things that hold us that, that uh, keep us, at each other's throats or it keeps us from advancing as the dominant species on the planet. That's really what the Bene Gesserit is about. Like they're, they're whole, they're obviously a parallel to the, uh, the Catholic, um, uh, the Jesuits. Um, yeah. Uh, but, and this is from Herbert himself. He talked about, about that, but um, their whole thing and trying to design generational plan of getting the perfect human leader like all of that is about like like uh what what did um uh the the mother gaius bohemian say to him you inherit too much power to be just some asshole who himself. <laughs> like that, there's there's philo- there's philosophy behind that because the idea right there is okay what's to stop you from becoming a joffrey and destroying and like laying waste to everything just because you you're upset, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. 
he does that and he just keeps it growing and growing and bigger to where you have to really wrap your mind about what he's trying to um, convey with the story. Which is why the fight at the end was so important. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. All yeah. the philosophical workings of Frank Herbert. All yeah. right there. And even in that part, because like I remember watching it, I was like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know, Sean Malama. You might, you might, uh, I don't know if you're going to win this one. <laughs> I was like, ah. I'm, I'm kind of with, with, with uh, Zendaya on this one. I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm not sure. I love then, that. I and love then when, it would be a great honor for you to die holding this knife. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't expect you to know this. And even the friends, like don't get this wrong. <laughs> and even the um the uh the fighting style was uh um based off a of Filipino uh, stick yeah. fighting uh, colleague, so mm. it had that close yeah. close feel. So like it felt it felt good, like the way they were fighting and how. Uh, shout out to the how you know he did a couple moves that made him yield at first, and it was cool that he had to learn that yo that was actually an insult. Like you should have just killed him out, out rip and get kept it moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're over here trying to be altruistic. <clears throat> like hey, I don't want to kill you, man, but you're actually insulting. This is real time warrior. Yeah, and, yeah. and boy, Javier Bardem caught that moment from Stilgar perfectly because in the book he did he said he turns to it like is he playing with him like <laughs> he, he gets pissed off because that's that's he saw he had him dead several times like yeah. several times like but you know but again that's that philosoph- philosophical all of that stuff existentialism like all that that he layers in these interactions, just the interactions alone. Like the fact that, you know, when he kills him, they immediately take his body. That's water. We need that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we mourn for him, but that's, that's the, the juice of life. We need it. Yeah. You know? So it's, yeah. Good Heavy stuff, stuff, dude. Heavy Good stuff. stuff. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's October, 2023. We'll see if that actually holds true. Uh, COVID willing. <laughs> COVID willing or the next disaster that proves humanity is right. <laughs> <laughs> there will be no nihilism on this podcast. Not today. <laughs> what do we say to nihilism? Not today. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks, fellas. Uh, you know what? Third lines, and we out. Peace. Peace. Peace.